Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Welcome to the Hurricane Hotline. With you, it's a quick show tonight, 90 Minutes. We lead you into uh, Panther hockey coming up tonight. So we'll talk with University of Miami head coach Jim Laranega. We'll hear from Joe Rose and Danny Rabinowitz and um, also Katie Meyer as well. A 90-minute edition of the Hurricane Hotline. So let's kick things off with University of Miami head coach Jim Laranega. Coach L, good evening. How are you tonight? Hi, Joe. I'm good. How are you? Uh, very good. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to another big game tomorrow as uh, Louisville comes to town. But it was a big week for you last week. I thought your team overcame a lot of adversity, injuries, uh, tough road trip. But the, let's pick up on the uh, Clemson game first. That was a, a good win for you at home against Clemson. Then we'll dive into Wake Forest. Well, first of all, you know, we've been shorthanded uh, to begin with. Wooga Poplar sprained his ankle in our first game back from Christmas. And uh, he hadn't practiced and played, so we missed him in our, our two ACC games, the Clemson game and the Wake Forest game. But the guys really pulled together. Keyshawn George got to the starting lineup, really elevated his game, contributed mightily, and we were able to beat the team, Clemson, a top-20 team. It was 16th in the country last week when we played them. And um, uh, Keyshawn was, was instrumental in us getting the, the home victory against a team that was sitting on top of the ACC at the time. You know, it's funny because um, wherever we've gone, uh, people, when they come to see you, uh, the media, whether it's the national or ACC, really about the first question they ask is, is Keyshawn George. And uh, the other day with Mike Jaminski, you had a great story. It kind of somehow uh, got right past me. Uh, but Bill Courtney, your assistant head coach, played college ball against Keyshawn's father. So I thought that was a pretty cool, pretty cool connection. But uh, Keyshawn played great against Wake Forest. What is he, growing three inches since he set foot on campus? Well, no, uh, three inches since we signed him. When he committed to us last uh, February. So over the last 12 months, he's grown three inches from 6'5 to 6'8. But Joey's also gone from 180 pounds to about 205. So as much as he's grown taller, he's also gotten bigger and stronger. And a year from now, when, when uh, he's, he just turned 20, so next year when he turns 21, he's going to be a man. His body will have filled out. Right now he's like a young colt. His body is still developing. 
but he's got all the skills. He can shoot it. He can pass it. And what I'm most pleased with is he's really improved his defense. He's gotten better and better defensively every game. Yeah, he's made uh, nine three-pointers in the last two games. But if we go back to that Clemson game in the second half, uh, I thought he made life very difficult for Joe Girard. Well, that's the interesting thing. We were very concerned about Joe Girard just killing us because, you know, Nigel was was coming off of an injury. Um, Keyshawn is tall, but, you know, doesn't normally guard guys like Joe Girard. And yet the two of them combined to really uh, not only guard him well, but make, make things difficult for him. Even when he scored, it was a real challenge. So real, real pleased with the progress our defense has made in the last several weeks. Yeah, I thought, um, especially in the second half against, against Wake, um, I thought your defense was was pretty darn good against you. Held them twenty. You held them to twenty nine points in the second half. Uh, I thought you were going to win the game. I thought uh, the shot that Matt Cleveland took was was going in. I guess the basketball gods uh, didn't see it my way, but uh, you held them to twenty nine points in the second half. Yeah, so we we got to compare that to what they did in the first half, Joe. To right. you know, put things in perspective. What did they have? Forty five or forty three? 44. Uh, 44, that's right. 44 points at the half. So to hold them to 29 in the second half was a a really terrific defensive job. Now, someone might say, well, why didn't you do that in the first half? And I would say, man, the number of factors that contributed to that, I I can't (laughs) name them all on this show. We'd be here uh, all night. (laughs) But the first would be Bensley Joseph, had a, a foul called on him early in the game. And then he got a second foul, and Bensley's our best on-ball defender, so he had to sit out. And then uh, North Shadow Mir sprained an ankle. He had to go back into the locker room and get retaped, so he, he was out. And then Nigel Pack sprained an ankle, and he was out for a while and finally got a chance to come back and play in the second half. So what was happening in the first half was our starters, three of them, and, and we're talking now uh, Bensley Joseph, Nigel Pack, and, and Norshad O'Meara, and we got to really include Wugga Poplar because he didn't play at all because of his ankle sprain. Right. So people are saying, why are you having all these ankle sprains? Well, you know, in basketball, if you, you come down with a rebound and you land on someone's foot, your ankle's going to sprain. Right? In, in Nigel's uh, position, uh, he drove in, made a layup, and the defender ran underneath him, and he landed on his foot and sprained his ankle. Norshad got a rebound. Uh, actually, he scored an offensive bucket, and the, the defender moved underneath him. Not fouls. I'm not saying that they, they were fouled, but, you know, ankle sprains are a very common occurrence in basketball players. Well, you, you went to that game averaging – I believe it was 12 fouls a game, number one or number two in the uh, in the country and fewest fouls. And five, four minutes into the game, you were down 5 nothing in fouls. So I was kind of uh, left scratching my head. Ended up with 19 for the game. So uh, that was something to overcome. Uh, you mentioned the injuries. We probably should dive into that briefly if you can. Uh, how are you, How is Wuga and uh, how's Nigel? How are they coming along? Well, I, I would say this. Uh, yesterday... 
we were not at full strength, but today everybody practiced. Oh, good. So now we've, again, during this practice, we had some, some things happen that I'm assuming will still be okay and have everybody dressed for the game tomorrow. But, you know, I tell everybody, you know, it's a, it's a day-to-day decision. You know, like if, if a guy has a sprained ankle and he has a really good practice, but he wakes up the next morning and the, and the ankle ballooned, uh, you know, you're not going to be ready. So we, our trainer, Sam Johnson, does a great job, and he keeps those guys as healthy as possible. You know, I thought I also thought this um, kind of bouncing around here, but um, I thought your effort, your team's effort in the Wake Forest game was phenomenal. You mentioned the things that they had to overcome. And I thought just looking at your players, um, how hard they played in that game, uh, their reaction when it was over, Coach, it was a very quiet, quiet ride home, bus ride, airplane ride, all of that. And my, I left. I was left with the feeling of, man, these guys—they left it all out there, and they really hate losing. And um, I, don't, I know that's not a moral victory, but I just thought that their approach to trying to overcome those things was was really good. Well, again, you know, it's it's a lot easier when you win. Yeah. We played this tremendous game. We had the ball with uh, I don't know, twelve seconds left in the game, and. We run a play and we get a good shot and the ball just doesn't go in for us. Oh, and and then in the overtime, we get the lead. And then, quite frankly, Joe, we just made too many um, physical errors uh, where where we didn't block out. We didn't we didn't uh, uh, switch properly. You know, we we just made some mental mistakes that led to physical mistakes. And uh, you got to give Wake Forest some credit. Oh, they tipped the ball out on a missed shot. They missed a free throw and tipped it back out and got a three. So, you know, hopefully we learn from that and it won't happen again. But we tell the players all the time that these ACC games normally come down to the last minute. Yep. Uh, a couple of weeks ago on the show, we were talking about North Chad O'Meara. You talked about him as the anchor of your team and man alive. Uh, five straight games. With twenty straight point, with twenty points, averaging twenty two point six points and ten point nine rebounds over the last five games, eight twenty point games this season. I, I haven't seen the rest of the league. If somebody's playing better than him right now, they must be having one heck of a season. But he has been a monster for you. He is and has been since the day he arrived last year. He's a great kid. He works his tail off. I use the expression that he's a lion and, and, you know, there's no stopping the king of the jungle. Uh, he's just a ferocious competitor. You don't want to get in his way. And the nice thing is in the areas of the game that he wanted to improve, he's improving. He's making some threes, which he wanted to do. He's handling the ball more, which he wanted to do and get better at. And he's done that. And he's always been a great rebounder. He continues to impress everybody whether it be opposing coaches or NBA scouts with his ability to rebound the ball. Uh, let me throw in there. He's made 12 of his last 14 free throws and 86% for the year. Again, last, last summer, uh, we spent a ton of time of him shooting free throws and threes. 
He'd shoot 10 free throws, then go out and shoot 25 threes, then come back in, shoot 25 free throws, go back out and shoot 100 threes. He just kept working back and forth on his free throw and his three-point shooting. And he needed to do that because he gets fouled. I, I think, Joe, he's our leading free throw attempter. Is that right? You know that? Yeah, I have that right here. And I would say, um, let me see here. He has taken 67. Yeah, it's not even close. <laughs> he's taken 67 free throws. And the next closest is Matt Cleveland with 39. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's He's relentless, and that's why he's such a good player. You know, Kobe Bryant, I was reading some things that Kobe Bryant said, and uh, he, he was using the expression, you know, what makes someone successful? Is it winning? And, and Kobe said, he said, well, winning is a part of it, but really consistency is, is what you want. Because if you're consistently good every single day, winning will take care of itself. So I started to reread a book that's called The Score Takes Care of Itself by Bill Walsh, the former head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. Have you ever heard of the book? I have not. I know Bill Walsh, but I did not know about that particular book. Yeah, anybody who's listening who wants to read a good book, and Bill Walsh did a magnificent job of explaining why San Francisco during that Joe Montana era why they were so good and such a dominant team. And I loved reading it a few years ago, and it sits in my library in the office. I took it out and I brought it home, and I'll be reading it again tonight. I'll put it on my Kindle. I appreciate the suggestion. Uh, this week the is Louisville. takes care of itself, Joe. You know what it means? Uh, it means if you play well or you concentrate – or stick to your plan. Am I close? Yeah, that. Yeah, you're right. It, it basically was if you prepare yourself to every situation that may occur. So, like in football, you get to the red zone, and, and what plays are you going to run to get the touchdown? Or you're behind a touchdown with two minutes to go. What it's going to be your hurry up offense? And he described in the book when they were behind. And, and he just said, Joe Montana and Jerry Rice knew exactly the plays we were going to call and how to execute them. And it was only a matter is, was the defense up to the task of stopping them? And in the, the years they, they won the Super Bowl, the answer was no, the defense can't stop them. Now, he was big on flawless execution. Simplicity. And every coach really is. The yeah. problem is we're all human beings. Players make mistakes. They're college kids. Keyshawn George just turned 20 years old. He looks like he's 14. So <laughs> these, these kids are young and learning and improving, but they still make a lot of mistakes. Uh, we had a pretty good uh, – I thought you had a pretty good discussion in the locker room before the game in regard to Matt Cleveland. And his, uh, his numbers are 10 to 15% – better right now, small, smaller sample size compared to what he did last year at FSU. But what I thought was fascinating about what you said in regard to him was the, also the influence his dad had in terms of uh, the way he observed his son and what he wanted, uh, what his vision was in terms of him becoming a more efficient player. And certainly he's been one of the most efficient players in the conference. Yeah, Matt 
Matt made the, the transition uh, to our program, and he has bought into our philosophy, and he's doing a terrific job. Uh, his efficiency uh, is dramatically improved, and I give credit to not just Matt, but to Matt's teammates because Matt's finding the open man and, and his teammates are finding him when he's open. So there's a good balance there, and you need that. You need that good chemistry on the court. Yeah, he's got a great mid-range game. He's he's fourth in the conference in field goal percentage, uh, just a shade under 60%. Uh, as you start this week's play, by the way, I think it'd be interesting to note for our listeners, you're number one in the league in scoring offense. You're number one in the league in free throw percentage. You're number one in the league in field goal percentage. You're number one in the league in three-point field goal percentage. You're number two in the league in three-point field goals made, uh, 9.5 per game. You're number three in the league in assists per game. And number two in three-point field goal percentage defense. Those are some pretty good numbers. They are. Okay, I'll, I'll share a conversation I had with the players in July uh, uh, maybe it was September. We went through July, and I, I, you know, we practiced those ten days. We went to to uh, France in in August. We came back. Uh, we're practicing, and I had a team meeting, and I told the players, I said, "Look, at there there are, are three things we're going to have to do really, really well. We're going to have to defend better than we are right now. We're going to have to rebound better." And we're going to have to reduce our turnovers. But in my mind, we may be the best three-point shooting team in the country. And that will only be true is if we share the ball and find the open man. Because all of you guys can shoot. The question is, are you going to take a good shot or make a pass to get a great shot? Or are you going to force it and take a bad shot? And right now, the, the, the um, thought is we're doing a really good job offensively sharing the ball and making shots. But those other three things, we've got to do better. We've got to reduce our turnovers. We've got to defend a little better. We've got to rebound a lot better. Uh, coming up is Louisville. Uh, they're struggling a little bit, uh, obviously, but uh, they've got some guys on that team uh, that – are capable of, of uh, making a very tough game, as we saw a year ago. The second game at the Wasco Center against them was a, a real battle, but uh, Mike James, Sky Clark, Trey uh, uh, Huntley, uh, Brandon uh, Huntley-Hatfield, uh, they've got a pretty good core there. What, what do you, what's the challenge with Louisville? Well, here, here's the thing, and, and I think it's very easy for people to judge on your one-loss record. Because, you know, that's how everybody judges. Did you win the game or lose the game? But I think uh, Kenny Payne, the head coach of Louisville, has, has now had the time to develop his program, and they're starting to play better and better. Uh, have they, uh, do they have a great record at this moment? No. But they are a very scary team to me. Last year, we beat them. Uh, very badly at their place. And then we were very, very pleased that we were able to pull it out at the end of, in, in our home game against them. I think we won by six. So, but they've lost, you know, to, to Kentucky. Well, there's no shame in that. We did that too. They lost at Virginia. 
Well, not many teams win at Virginia. And then they, they lost to a, a Pittsburgh team. And Pittsburgh is, is one of those teams that has just made an adjustment, moving Blake Hinson back to his natural forward position. So he's the four man instead of the three. That improved their defense. So teams are getting better. Pittsburgh's improved. That was a big win for them. But I was very impressed with Louisville. And you say, well, why would you say that? So, uh, Joe, I'm, I'm going to ask you uh, a question, and we're, we're going to see if, if you can guess what's going through my mind. All right? Okay. What, what percentage did Louisville shoot on offense overall from three and from the free throw line against Pittsburgh? Well, um, I would say they for the season they're shooting seventy three percent against Pittsburgh uh, uh, from the free throw line. So without looking at the number, seventy probably eighty percent. Their three point field goal percentage is twenty nine percent for the year, so they're probably above that. And they shoot forty two percent from the floor, so they probably shot. I'm going to guess forty five percent. Okay, so very quickly, they shot 51% overall. They shot 48% from three, and they were 85.7% from the foul line. They had the same number of assists as Pittsburgh, same number of rebounds as Pittsburgh. They lost it, in my you know, humble opinion, with the turnovers. They had 17 turnovers. So uh, hopefully tomorrow night, We'll reduce our turnovers and hopefully force them into some key turnovers. But that's going to be a big part. They're also a great offensive rebounding team. They're one of the better offensive rebounding teams in the country, Joe. And and, uh, uh, we're not a great rebounding team. So when you you look at the game tomorrow night, I hope our fans turn out. We've had great crowds. Very enthusiastic crowds. Our students are not back yet. They don't get back till next Tuesday, a week from today. So, uh, but Louis, Louisville, uh, their history, their tradition, Kenny Payne is trying to bring them back. And right now, he's got his players playing very hard, very physical, very well. And it's going to be a tough battle for us tomorrow night. Huntley Hatfield, 6'10", 240 pounds. He's had he had three straight double-doubles over the last five games or so. His last five games averaging 13 points and eight point, uh, nearly nine rebounds a game. So he'll be a challenge. And you mentioned their tradition, two national championships, eight Final Fours, 39 NCAA tournament appearances, 21 All-Americans, 77 NBA draft picks. So they do have great tradition. Yeah, I, I remember back uh, when I was first uh, started out coaching, Louisville was one of the premier programs. They had Dr. Duncanstein and, <laughs> and the McCray brothers, uh, and uh, they, they followed it up with Purvis Ellison, who was a, a great college player. He led Louisville to the national championship when he was a freshman. He was the most outstanding player. In the Final Four, Louisville beat Duke. And uh, I think Kenny Payne is trying to build back uh, a program that has such history to it. And, you know, just like any program, it takes time. 
you got to find the right guys, and then you got to get them to blend together. I think that's one of the reasons why I'm impressed with with their guard play, uh, uh, Tyler Johnson, and and Sky Clark, and and um, Mike James. Uh, initially, didn't really know each other in November and early December. They were trying to figure things out, but now they've really figured things out. Uh, Trey White is coming back from an injury. He helps give them, you know, either a really good starter or, or a really good sub. And, uh, you know, um, Hatfield is, is a huge guy, just like uh, uh, we saw this past weekend with, with Efton Reed. Um, Denny Crum was their coach for 30 years. Denny Crum passed away in May. He was uh, 86 years old. But you talk about guys being around at one program for a long time. Of course, an assistant in UCLA under John Wooden. He went to Louisville, coached there for 30 years. John Wooden beat him. I think it was in the Final Four in, what was that, been 74 maybe? At any rate. 70, um, 75. 75, it was, yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> Interesting, UCLA's last two games uh, of John Wooden's fantastic uh, coaching career, um, I believe was in San Diego. That's and right. They beat the, they beat the two, two Blue Bloods from Kentucky. They beat the University of Kentucky in the national championship game, Kevin Grevy and company. And uh, they, they beat Louisville in the semifinals where – Coach Wooden and his protege, Denny Crum, battled against each other. So, That's right. Um, Louisville is, is a tough one. They're very physical. That's, that's the main thing. If, they, if we can't get, keep control our defensive backboards, that's, that's a real problem. Now, thank goodness, I think we can. But we're going to need everybody to chip in. All right, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Uh, as you mentioned, students aren't back yet, so uh, the crowds have been really good. Crowds have been very helpful, and I always figure the the one sure way to get to the NCAA tournament is is win your home games. And you've been great in the home floor. So uh, seven o'clock tomorrow for Louisville, and hopefully another great crowd will show up. I sure hope so, Joe. All right, Coach. I'll see you tomorrow. We had a short show tonight, so I'll see you tomorrow in the office uh, before tip off. Right. Go Canes. All right, that's University of Miami head coach Jim Laranega with us. Uh, let me talk to you for a moment about Williamson Cadillac. Ed Williamson's a gigantic University of Miami basketball fan. Sits right there on the baseline with his lovely wife, Carol. Miami's premier luxury dealership, founded over 50 years ago. They're more than just a dealership. They're our friends. They're our neighbors. Williamson Cadillac has built a loyal client base by staying focused on the customer experience. Customers are treated like family. When you go through Williamson Cadillac and you end up uh, driving off their lot in a new Cadillac, you're going to say, man, alive, that customer service was just absolutely perfect. What a great experience. So you can enjoy world-class customer service and enjoy it by purchasing also a new Cadillac from Williamson Cadillac, new vehicles arriving every single day, which means that Williamson is sure to have the new Cadillac that you're going to be looking for. Go in, experience Williamson Cadillac's preferred atmosphere, easy to find on US 1 and 104th Street, just south of the Palmetto. You can go online first if you'd like, 
WilliamsonAutomotiveGroup.com. Get the most out of the South Florida lifestyle and experience a new Cadillac from your premier luxury dealership. Williamson Cadillac. Williamson is Miami. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.